You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. The IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. publicly blames Russia for ghostwriter and counsels Moscow to amend its ways. Finland's security services warn of foreign cyber espionage and influence threats. Zoom bombing at the highest levels in Cambodia. Colossus is the latest ransomware kit on the block. Conti is back as predicted and has hit a major European call center. Dinah Davis from Arctic Wolf on cybersecurity learning standards. Our guest is Otavio Freira from Safeguard Cyber with insights on how to defend against nation-state actors and zero-day exploits. And Huawei's CFO is back in China. From the CyberWire studios at Data Tribe, I'm Dave Bittner with your CyberWire summary for Monday, September 27th, 2021. The European Union on Friday publicly attributed the ghostwriter's cyber espionage and disinformation operation to Russia. The statement said, quote, Some EU member states have observed malicious cyber activities collectively designated as ghostwriter and associated these with the Russian state. Such activities are unacceptable as they seek to threaten our integrity and security, democratic values and principles, and the core functioning of our democracies. These malicious cyber activities are targeting numerous members of parliaments, government officials, politicians, and members of the press and civil society in the EU by accessing computer systems and personal accounts and stealing data. These activities are contrary to the norms of responsible state behavior in cyberspace, as endorsed by all UN member states, and attempt to undermine our democratic institutions and processes— including by enabling disinformation and information manipulation. The European Union and its member states strongly denounce these malicious cyber activities, which all involved must put to an end immediately. We urge the Russian Federation to adhere to the norms of responsible state behavior in cyberspace. End quote. No immediate action was announced, but as the statement's final sentence warned, The European Union will revert to this issue in upcoming meetings and consider taking further steps. The attribution and warning didn't say which nations had received the attention of Ghostwriter, but as the Washington Post notes, the timing of the communique suggests concern for Germany, which held elections over the weekend. The outcome of that election seems to be that a center-left coalition led by Social Democrats with the smaller Green and Free Democrat parties will form the government that will succeed retiring Chancellor Angela Merkel's. 
Independently, Finland's Security and Intelligence Service called out both Russian and Chinese cyber espionage and influence operations as major continuing threats, Bloomberg reports. Cyber espionage and ransomware are seen as especially acute threats, but the assessment also assigns a particularly high risk to Finnish information infrastructure from potential legitimate investments by authoritarian states. According to online tech publication Rest of World, Cambodian Prime Minister Hun Sen Zoom-bombed an online conference held by the country's banned opposition party to tell participants that their communications were being monitored. The leader said, quote, I have been listening and have entered to listen many times already, end quote, taking an unusually hands-on approach to warning the opposition. He is said to have wagged his finger and cautioned the opposition to behave themselves and stop insulting him should they expect to be permitted back into public life. Premier Hun Sen, a Khmer Rouge alumnus with all predispositions for social control and political repression that affiliation suggests, is believed to be working toward tighter control of Cambodia's internet, the Prime Minister said on his preferred Facebook platform, that he'd previously attended 20 of the opposition's online meetings, explaining, quote, This entry was just to give a warning message to the rebel group to be aware that Hun Sen's people are everywhere. Please be careful and don't do any activities against the national interest. End quote. Cambodia's control over its domestic internet is regarded as likely to increase this coming February when the country's national internet gateway comes online. The gateway will route all internet traffic through a single point where a state operator will exert national policy by blocking undesirable websites and collecting user metadata. On Friday, ZeroFox discovered and described a new ransomware strain they're calling Colossus. Its one known victim is a U.S.-based automotive dealership group, and the attack is the now-familiar double extortion that both encrypts data and then threatens the public release. Colossus hasn't shown much disposition to chatter on the dark web, but its operation suggests familiarity with the ransomware-as-a-service criminal market. In particular, their communications with their victims have a familiar look, resembling, as they do, similar messages issued by Epsilon Red, also known as Black Cocaine, and Evil, also, of course, known as Sodinokibi. This suggests, Zero Fox suspects, that Colossus may be using a similar builder. A dump page for doxing uncooperative victims has yet to appear, but Zero Fox expects one to surface shortly. The record reports that the major European call center operator GSS has sustained an attack with Conti ransomware. The attack hit on September 18th. GSS has taken down affected systems and is working toward a full restoration of normal services. Russophone security researcher Haber, disappointed with his treatment by Apple's bug bounty program and Apple's failure to respond, has published, according to Forbes, three zero-day vulnerabilities affecting iOS 14 and iOS 15. Haber says he disclosed the bugs to Apple's bounty program back in March. And finally, the BBC reports that Huawei CFO Meng Wanzhou is back in China after reaching a deferred prosecution agreement with the U.S. Department of Justice. Justice agreed to defer prosecution in exchange for Ms. Meng's admission of having misled its partner, 
financial services firm HSBC about Huawei's extensive and sanctions-violating involvement with Iran. The New York Times reports that Canadian citizens whom China had detained shortly after Ms. Meng's arrest were also released and have returned to Canada. Recall that Ms. Meng had been detained in Vancouver pursuant to a U.S. warrant and had been fighting her extradition to the States. Their arrests were widely regarded as intended simply to give China leverage in the Meng case. The Guardian quotes critics as calling China's actions hostage diplomacy, which probably isn't a bad characterization. Managing the requirements for modern security programs is increasingly challenging and time-consuming. Enter Vanta. Vanta gives you one place to centralize and scale your security program, quickly assess risk, streamline security reviews, and automate compliance for ISO 27001, SOC 2, and more. You can leverage Vanta's market-leading trust management platform to unify risk management and secure the trust of your customers. Plus, use Vanta AI to save time when completing security questionnaires. CyberWire daily listeners can get $1,000 off by going to vanta.com slash cyber. That's V-A-N-T-A dot com slash cyber. In the dynamic world of enterprise security, identity architects and IT leaders face a major challenge. Growth by repeated acquisitions multiplies the complexity of everything. Multiple IDPs, MFA providers, policy engines that all need to coexist. This can lead to fragmented user identities and policies that create security vulnerabilities and add access friction. Strata Identity solves this. Now you can decommission unneeded IDPs and consolidate the ones you'd like to keep without rewriting apps or disrupting users, engineers, and app owners. Plus, Strata's modular architecture makes it easy to integrate with any identity provider without manual maintenance and coding. Join the ranks of cybersecurity leaders using identity orchestration. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire, share your top identity security priorities, and receive a pair of complimentary AirPods Pro. Offer valid for organizations with over 5,000 employees. Step into a new era of identity management at strata.io slash cyberwire. Zero days are notoriously difficult to defend against since these types of exploits are developed to target vulnerabilities that are unknown to software developers. One of the ways to mitigate these types of attacks is to continuously look for potential vulnerabilities within the software that's being used. Otavio Freira is president, CTO, and co-founder of Safeguard Cyber, and he offers these insights. You've built a great piece of software or technology or infrastructure, and the bad guys... Either it's uh, organized hackers or up to nation states have figured out a way, a hole in that infrastructure that you did not know about and use it to exploit for espionage, for 
financial gain for, you know, take a pick of malicious means. Is it fair to say that not all zero days are created equal? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, uh, you know, take um, solar winds, right? I would, I would almost put that in one extreme, very sophisticated operation carried out. We now know by a nation state that, you know, took advantage of supply chain, figure out massive scale, you know, created a zero day, if you will. On the other extreme, you have um, some web kit in a browser that you go to a website and it's exploiting some vulnerability, JavaScript or a browser that does something um, to a target group of users. So, so absolutely. I, I think there's a continuum both of complexity, investment, and outcome from zero days. There's effectively a market for it. There was a, a working financial market that buys these zero days. Governments buy these zero days. You know, and the prices vary, right? Mm. Depending on their sophistication and complexity and operating system, the price that they can be purchased at is a is a proxy almost uh, for the level of sophistication or the or the the spectrum of sophistication out there. And how does an organization prepare against this? I mean, what, how do you dial in appropriate resources for this particular type of threat? Yeah, well, it's it's important to point out the disparity between the sophistication attackers in any organization, right? No matter how sophisticated. So it always is a, no matter the situation, it's a David and Goliath. I think situation, I think we, we all need to understand that. That being said, organizations, you know, can always do better in terms of preparing for, for these um, for these attackers. I think the very first step is understand what your risk is, right? It is a hard thing to accomplish, actually easy thing to say, but it's it's an important step because there are just basics that need to be done, you know, a good backup process, um, a good threat intelligence process built around your your organization, a QMS system that takes into account the best practices of a cybersecurity program. You know, there there are things that you can just do to make sure in case of a cyber attack that you well prepared. And, you know, this all leads to some risk assessment that you can do to prepare for the case of a nation state attack. I mean, of course, after the attack, a breach has occurred. Well, it's just too late. Mm. So, you know, the hard work is creating that resilience, understanding your risk level, and then addressing it. So how do you prevent malware and ransomware from propagating the business? How do you, in case you are attacked through ransomware, now you're thinking down the chessboard, well, how do I avoid a data loss attached to a ransomware? And then how do I also protect the human attack factor from these nation states attack. And if you watch the DBIR reports over the years, it just social engineering and the human factor just kept arising as as more of the means that you deliver things such as as ransomware. So looking at your organization, understanding that the human is 
a potential attack factor. Humans are using communication channels, everything from email to something like we're on today here, or you know, a video-based collaboration tool. These are all means that these incredibly destructive tools of these nascent states, such as ransomware, can be delivered. So, you know, it's important to have a automated software that allows you to detect uh, when these attacks are taking place and respond. But even more importantly, you've got to sync up the value chain and start with the risk, right? To avoid you get to that point. But it is a complicated matter to defend against uh, nation states for sure. That's Otavio Freira from Safeguard Cyber. And I'm pleased to be joined once again by Dinah Davis. She is the VP of R&D Operations at Arctic Wolf. Dinah, it's always great to have you back. Um, I I wanted to touch today on something that I know you've been following, and this is learning standards when it comes to cybersecurity. What do you have to share with us today? Yeah, I was really excited um, that recently cyber.org came out with an entire curriculum for uh, teaching cybersecurity to kids from K all the way to 12. Um, Really impressed with it. Uh, It uh, splits up how they teach it into three main categories, which is like computing systems where they talk about like networking and, you know, software updates and that kind of stuff. Digital citizenship. And for that one, it's all about like cyberbullying, digital footprint, like getting, you know, making sure they know and are aware of what it is to be online. And then information security is the is the last column. I was very excited about this. I've maybe posted a couple times to the Canadian government that they should get on this. <laughs> I've also been a big believer in kids learning tech and computing really early. I feel like we teach our kids about physics, about uh, biology and math so that they know when the doctors are talking or they go see a specialist or something, it's not magic. It's science. It's based in reality. And with their worlds being so digital, I really think they should know it's not magic. Hmm, That's interesting. So uh, it's a in a way, demystifying some of the things that are going on behind the scenes. Exactly. They should understand that it's just algorithms that are working on their iPad. That is not, you know, it can't do everything because a human had to program it to do that. It strikes me, along with what you're saying there, that, um, you know, we teach kids things like basic health and hygiene. And I wonder with computers and, and certainly their online networks and and these being a primary way in which they interact with their friends, does this go along with that? Is this a basic skill that needs to be just a you know part of growing up that all kids really should have? I think so. And, and it's not just the technology. It is the security part. And I, I was really excited to see that they put the digital citizenship with it as well, because that's also your privacy and what you do online matters and it will be recorded and 
also just that you can have all of your stuff stolen, right? So, you know, we don't we don't go out in the world and tell our kids to just walk across the street without looking both ways, right? Because they could get hit by a bus. Well, mm-hmm. the internet's not that different, right? Mm-hmm. There's some pretty crappy things that can happen to them online if we don't teach them what's safe. Do you think there's a component to this as well of... of uh you know, bringing the parents up to speed and having them understand what part they play. Yeah, 100%. And I mean, I don't know what uh, the cyber org has in their their settings, but I know that as part of their curriculum, it's teaching teachers how to teach this. So Hmm. at the very least, it's, uh, it's pulling teachers in to get engaged and educated about it. Because if they're not educated about it, like, I mean, they're gonna do things in front of the students that potentially are are risky behaviors, like not bad, but like, you know, they could be using the same password and giving that password out to everyone. And then that's an okay thing to do, but it's not, right? Right, right. Wash your hands, right? Brush your teeth. <laughs> exactly. Don't, don't reuse your passwords. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. In my household, those are some uh, hardcore things. <laughs> yeah, boy, I'll bet uh, all the kids love to visit the Davis family, right? <laughs> <laughs> now, kids, before we eat dinner, I'm going to need you to, to uh, show me your Yuba keys. <laughs> I think my uh, my teenager daughter would kill me if I did that. <laughs> uh, I'll bet she would. All right. Well, Diana Davis, thanks for joining us. You're welcome. And that's The Cyberwire. For links to all of today's stories, check out our daily briefing at thecyberwire.com. Don't forget to check out the Grumpy Old Geeks podcast where I contribute to a regular segment called Security. Huh? I join Jason and Brian on their show for a lively discussion of the latest security news every week. You can find Grumpy Old Geeks where all the fine podcasts are listed. And check out the Recorded Future podcast, which I also host. The subject there is threat intelligence, and every week we talk to interesting people about timely cybersecurity topics. That's at recordedfuture.com slash podcast. The CyberWire podcast is proudly produced in Maryland out of the startup studios of Data Tribe, where they're co-building the next generation of cybersecurity teams and technologies. Our amazing CyberWire team is Elliot Peltzman, Trey Hester, Brandon Karp, Peru Prakash, Justin Sabi, Tim Nodar, Joe Kerrigan, Carol Terrio, Ben Yellen, Nick Vilecki, Gina Johnson, Bennett Moe, Chris Russell, John Petrick, Jennifer Iben, Rick Howard, Peter Kilpie, and I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. We'll see you back here tomorrow. <laughs>